Well, good morning, church. We're glad you joined us this morning. Man, what a great truth for us to sing that there's nothing better than him. I hope you believe that this morning. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn right now and grab your Bibles, grab your small devices, and let's go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning as we continue uh, through the book of 1 Peter in our series called Exiles. Now, we said from the very beginning that the thread we see all the way through the book of 1 Peter is Peter challenging these early believers, these first century Christians, what does it mean to live in exile in this world? What does it mean to live as aliens, as strangers, and as sojourners in this world? And so what we've seen so far is that Peter's told them that to live as exiles in this world, first of all, that we're to live in hope, meaning this, that we are temporary residents of this world, and that we're to have our eyes on the prize. And that prize is that one day Jesus is coming again, that one day we're going to slip from this world, and we're going to see him face to face, and one day we're going to spend all eternity with him. Keep our eyes on that prize. Keep our eyes on the hope that we have in Christ. And while we live in this world, let's live and continue to love Jesus, trust Jesus, and rejoice in Christ. So Peter begins by telling this church right out of the gate that if we're going to live as exiles, we have to live in hope, remembering we don't belong here. And then the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the second thing he told them, which was this, to live in holiness. As we think about holiness, he's been, he's been talking to them about what holiness was. That holiness is not just being separate from sin, but it's living a life of righteousness. And Peter even tells them why we're to live a life of holiness. Why we're to live in holiness. We're to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. And as we pursue holiness, we're pursuing to be more like him. And as we pursue holiness, we talked about last week what it means to grow in that holiness, but also the struggles that come with that. And so today he's going to talk about a whole other topic. He moves on from living in hope to living in holiness. Now he moves to a third topic. And let me just say this out of the gate. The topic as we begin to approach this topic, it's one of those that we're going to want to push back a little bit on. See, when we talk about living in hope as an exile, we're on board with that. Keep my eyes on the fact I'm going to go to heaven one day. Yes and amen to, right? And then we talk about living in holiness, that we're to live a life separate from the world and a life lived in righteousness for God. We get that, and we understand that we're to live a life that reflects and mirrors the very character and nature of God. We get that. But today he talks to this persecuted group of Christians, and he says this third thing, and it's this. Knowing that we to live in hope or to live in holiness, but thirdly he says we need to live in submission. As exiles in this world, we need to live in submission to those that are in authority over us. Now, that word submission just simply means this. It means to yield to the authority of someone else, to yield to the authority of another person. Now, for many of us, if we were honest, we would just say we want to push back because we don't like submitting, right? We don't like yielding to someone else. Maybe it's because we think we know better. We don't want to yield to people because we just think we're smarter than they are. Have you ever had that boss that when you, that when you went into the, the, the office every day or you went into the place of business every day, that you looked at the way he did business, you looked at the way he led people, you looked at the rules and, and things that he kind of established, and your one thought was, this guy's crazy. None of this stuff works. But I know better, and maybe one reason we don't want to submit is because we think we know better. Another reason maybe we don't want to submit is because we don't like yielding our rights. Now hear me, when we truly submit to someone else and yield to their authority, at some level that means we have to lay aside our opinions, our passions, our desires, 
our way of doing things and pick up theirs. And there's many of us, we don't want to do that. We don't like laying down our opinions. We don't like laying down our way of doing things. You know why we don't like it? Because we like the way we do things. We like the opinions we have. And maybe one reason that you're struggling with submitting to those in authority over you is because you don't want to lay aside some of your own personal rights. Or maybe another reason we don't want to submit to others is because we think those in authority over us are unjust. We think those in authority over us aren't very fair. Now, here's the thing I want you to think about just for a moment. You may have a multitude of reasons beyond the three that I mentioned as why we don't submit to those in authority over us. But here's what I would contend with all of us. If you can come up with a good excuse as why you don't submit to those in authority over you, it's probably the same excuse you use as to why you don't submit to your heavenly father. Right? Ouch, that hurt a little bit, didn't it? See, here's the truth. Many of us don't submit to our heavenly father because we, don't, we, we think we know better than he does. Right? We think our way is better than his way. Or we don't submit to him because we don't want to yield our preferences or our way of doing things and exchange them for his. And so we struggle with that. Or maybe we don't want to yield to our Heavenly Father because we're just not sure that he's just. We're not sure that he's fair. And so we can say we use these excuses in submitting to the authorities of this world, but the truth of the matter is we use those same excuses in our lack of submission to the Lord. But yet it's out of the gate here. Peter not only talks about living in hope and living in holiness, but he tells these early Christians, we need to live in this world and we need to live in submission to those in authority over us. Now you may say something like this, well, Doug, Peter doesn't know my work situation. Peter doesn't know what kind of governmental leaders that we have right now. Well, let me give you a little bit of context to what Peter did know. Peter's writing to these early Christians that are being persecuted and are suffering for their faith. That's who he's writing to. And guess, by the way, guess who's on the throne? Guess who's in control during this time? Nero. And Nero had no problem taking Christians and throwing them into the lion's den. Nero had no problem, you know, putting Christians and burning them at the stake. Nero had no problems gathering Christians and, and, and putting tar over them and lighting them as part of his garden at night. Nero had no problem persecuting those who were followers of Christ. And yet, even in the face of that kind of persecution, that kind of leadership, what does Peter tell those people? That we need to live in submission to those that are authority over us. So he does understand. And the situation they're experiencing then is probably way worse than experiencing we're having right now. So it's important for us to take a moment this morning and to really look at what does Peter say about submission and how in the world does that relate to us. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter Chapter 2, we're going to begin reading verse 13. And there's three things I want us to draw from this passage. And the first thing is found in verse 13 through 17. And it says this. Peter writes, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governor as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people, living as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, the very first thing that Peter says here is that if we're going to understand submission, here's who we need to submit to. First of all, he says, submit to every human institution. Every human institution. So right out of the gate in this passage, Peter gives us the who of who we're supposed to submit to. Every human 
institution. Now that word institution gives us a little bit of clarity here. The Greek word there gives us a great deal of understanding and depth to the passage. The word institution is referring to those who occupy offices or roles where they either make the laws or they enforce the laws. Let me say it again. When it talks about human institutions, that word institution is referring to those people who either hold offices or hold roles of those that either uh, make the laws or those that enforce the laws. That's why he refers to emperors or governors in the passage. He's talking about those in civil authority. So what does that mean for you and I? That means that we are to submit to those in authority over us, those on a local, a state, and a national level, all the way from the White House to the law enforcement that rose up and down our streets. That's who we are to submit to. Now, some of you want to push back on this and go, but Doug, okay, wait a minute. What if I don't like that person? It doesn't matter. We're still called to submit to them, submit to their authority over us. Well, Doug, what if I don't agree with the way they're leading? It doesn't matter. Okay, Doug, I got one for you. What if they ask me to do something that's in direct violation of Scripture? Okay, that's probably the only exception to the rule, isn't it? Because Peter faced that very thing. Peter was told he could not preach the gospel. And he looked at those leaders and said, listen, you're telling me not to preach the gospel. My heavenly father has told me to preach the gospel. I'm gonna go with him. So he understood that God's law trumps man's law. It, 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 it's something that we to elevate over human statutes is God's statutes. So if you're that person go, okay, well, what happens in, I'll submit, but what happens when they ask me to clearly violate the teaching of scripture, to do something that is opposite of what God has commanded me to do? Well, in that moment, we are not to submit to those. We're not to submit to those laws. However, I want to say to you that I believe even if those moments come, now listen, let's be honest. We tend to like to work in the exception to the rule instead of the rule, right? Those moments don't happen a lot. We can say they do, but they really don't. Now, an example would be if, if, if I was told that one day that I could no longer stand on the stage and preach the truth of this word, and I couldn't read the scripture and call sin out what sin is, and that if I preach against certain things or certain lifestyles, that I, that I would that'll be thrown in jail. I mean, if I was told that, listen, I would continue to do exactly what God's called me to do, preach the gospel. But I believe when those moments do come, those moments that we, that we are to living a life honored to the Lord and if the laws were to come and say, you've got to live in a life that's contrary to scripture, even though we might not honor the statutes of human and we, might, we would honor the statutes of God, even in those moments, we can do it in a way that's respectful and we can do it in a way that honors them and their role. Well, Doug, I'm not sure that can happen. Well, let me give you two biblical examples. The first one's Daniel. Do you remember in Daniel in chapter one? The king has assigned Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he had assigned them food, which means that word assigned means they were to eat it every day. It was required by the king to eat these meals. And Daniel knew that eating the meal would defile his body. So he went to the chief eunuch and he said, listen, I don't want to eat this food. Is there anything we can work out? And the eunuch says, listen, if you don't eat the food and you look weak among, for the king and all these other people look strong and ready for battle, he's going to have my hand on a platter. And Daniel says, listen, here's what I want to do. Would you just give me 10 days? 10 days and you feed me and my friends. Just feed us vegetables and water. And if after 10 days we look weak and pale and compared to all these other people, we'll go ahead and eat your meat. But we don't want to defile ourselves. And the eunuch allowed it, you let him to do that. And what we find out at the end of the 10 days, that not only did Daniel and his friends look strong and healthy, they looked stronger than the other people. See, that's an occasion where what the king issued 
was a direct violation of what Daniel knew he was supposed to do, but he did it in a way that was respectful and honoring. He didn't incite a riot. He didn't try to create mutiny. He didn't try to create discord. He did it in a way it was honoring. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you remember that story? They're standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. The rule was that you had to bow down and worship him when you heard the horns, the trumpets, the lyres, all that bow down and worship him. And, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't gonna do it. So they get taken to King Nebuchadnezzar and they stood there before King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, who loved these three men, it says, the Bible says that he, his countenance toward them changed. Now he's angry with them. He's like, listen guys, you either bow down or that furnace is waiting for you. And if you read the story, what you're gonna find out is that over and over and over again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego referred to the king and they said this, O king, O king, O king. Now he, they told the king, we're not gonna worship another god because that clearly violates what God has told us. But they referred to Nebuchadnezzar as O king, meaning they showed him respect and honor. Here's my point. Right out of the gate, Peter tells us in this passage who we are to submit to. We are to submit to those human institutions, those that are in authority over us. We are to yield to their authority. If they ask us to do something that's in clear violation of Scripture, we need to honor Scripture over human law, but we need to do it in a way that is respectful and a way that is honoring, not a way that incites riots, not a way that incites mutiny, not a way that creates discord. We need to do it with respect. And then Peter tells us why we're to submit to these human institutions. He says, for the Lord's sake, and so that we can align ourselves with the will of God. Look with me in verse 13 again. He says, be subject or submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He said, one reason why we are to submit to human institution is for the Lord's sake, meaning this, that when we submit to human institutions, it is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. Do you remember last week, the very last passage we read? Peter told this early church, listen, if you're gonna make a difference in the world you live in as exiles, you need to live honorably among the Gentiles. How do you do that? You live in such a way that you live above reproach so that when they see your life, it brings glory and honor to God, not to you. And how do we do that? Well, first thing we can do is by submitting ourselves to all human institutions, all those that are in authority over us that make the laws and govern the laws. So he says, listen, here's why we're to submit it's because it honors God. And he also says this in verse 15. He says, for this is the will of God. So let me give you another reason why we're to submit. And you're not gonna like this one, but it's in, it's in scripture and you gotta deal with it. It is the will of God. It is God's desire for you and I who live in a broken world, a world that is lost, a world that is confused, and a world that is anti-God. We live in that world, but it's still the will of God that we as exiles in this world would live in submission to those in authority over us. It is the will of God. Well, look, you, you say, well, Doug, I, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, look what he says in verse 14, back up. He says, or, he says, whether it be the emperor supreme or the governors as sent by him, who's the him there? It's God, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. In other words, the reason why it's the will of God, the reason why we're to submit to those in authority over us, the reason we can say that doing so is the will of God is because it's God who allowed all these institutions to be put in place. God allowed it. God allowed every person who fills every role to be exactly where they are. 
Now, we don't really like that all the time because sometimes people get into office or they get into positions and we totally object to their approach. We totally object to their, their political party. We just totally object to them in general. At the end of the day, here's what Peter says. Listen, the reason why you're to submit is because first, it honors God. Secondly, it is God's will that you do. Why? Because God's the one who allowed all of this to happen. God's the one who allowed all these institutions to be created. God's the one who's allowed all these people to fill those different roles. Well, he tells us why God allowed it. To punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now you may say, well, Doug, our government and our law enforcement, and our people, they don't do that as well as they should. Well, you may be right, but there's some who do. And is it really our responsibility and our role to decide who we're gonna submit to and who not based on their actions? No, is the answer. We are submit to those in authority over us because it honors God and it is the will of God that we do that. Because God is the one who's established it. God has allowed it. And I'll go as far as say this, that if we truly rebel against those in authority over us, it's as if we are rebelling against God himself. And you may go, oh, I don't agree with that. Well, listen to what Paul says. Paul says it even more plainly in Romans chapter 13. Listen to what he says in verse one and two. Let every person be subject or submission to the, the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by who? By God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And all those who resist will incur judgment. Well, you know what Paul says? God has allowed all this to be in place. So submit to those authorities. So Peter tells them who we're to submit to why we're to submit to them. And then he tells them the result of submitting. Look with me in verse 15. He says this, in verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, when believers submit to those in authority over us, our state officials, our local officials, our national officials, those in authority over us, it muzzles the enemies of Christianity. See, we live in a world that's going to do whatever it can to discredit and to disgrace the name of Christ. And when we as believers live as godly citizens in this world, and what I mean by that is by living a life that is in submission to those in authority over us, not only does it silence the foolish people, it allows Jesus to move through us and to let his light shine. When we live as godly citizens in this world, even in the face of those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we live as godly citizens submitting to those in authority over us, it not only silences those people, but allows us to be used and to let Jesus shine through us. And so Peter wanted these early Christians to know that as you are exiles in this world, you have to live in submission. You have to live in submission to those in authority over you. And he tells them why they're to do that. And then he tells them the results. Here's what will happen if you do. So then he issues this challenge to them. Look at verse 16 and 17. He challenges them. Live as people who are what? Free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What does Peter say here? He says, listen, don't use your freedom in Christ to rebel against the world. Don't use your freedom in Christ for evil, rebelling against those authorities. Use your freedom in Christ to be a servant of the Most High God. Well, what does that mean to be a servant of God? He says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, but honor the emperor. In other words, submit to authority. 
So Peter's challenging them to use their freedom in Christ not to rebel against the authority, but use their freedom in Christ to be a servant of God and submit to authority. So the first thing that Peter tells us here is that we need to submit to every human institution. The second thing he tells us that I want us to see is found in verse 18 through 20. It says this, servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is the gracious thing when mindful of God. Now, here's what he says here. Now, I, I, we'll go back and read a little bit more in a minute. But what he says, first of all, is not only we submit to uh, every human institution, but we are to submit to our masters. Now, how does that translate for us? Well, translate to our employers, those that are in authority over us. Now, I find it interesting here that Peter doesn't reissue the why. We're to do that. So the why is still standing. Why are we to submit not only to human institutions, but to our employers, our masters? Why do we submit to them? Well, it's obvious because it honors the Lord. And second of all, it is the will of God. So the why is still there. But notice he talks about how we're to submit. He says, with all respect. Meaning this, that we are to submit to those that are our bosses, those that are our employers, those that are in authority over us, not with bitterness, not with negativity, not by trying to create a coup, not by trying to be a create discord, but with reverence. That's what the word respect means, to show reverence to them. That for those that are in authority over us, that we are to submit to them, not with a bitter spirit, not with a sense of negativity, not with this desire to create strife, but with a sense of reverence for the position that they hold. And you hear what Peter said there? He said, first of all, we're to show that kind of reverence and respect to those that are just, meaning those that are reasonable, those that are fair. I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm 47, and in my life, I can't think of one employer that I've had all over the years that was a bad employer. I've had great employers from the time I started working when I was 17, 18 years old, all the way up to the present. I've always had great employers, but that's not everybody's story. And that's why I want you to notice the second thing he talks about. He says, not only are we to do that for those that are just, but also for those that are what? He says, unjust. Those that aren't reasonable, those that aren't fair, those that are dishonest. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Doug, so are you telling me as a follower of Jesus Christ, if I work for a boss who's dishonest, he's crooked, I mean, this guy is unreasonable, he's unfair, that I'm to submit to his authority as my boss? And the answer is yes. Now, there may be a point in that journey where you're so, beat, you're so fed up with what's going on and so beat down by that you need to leave that job and go find another one. But God's timing needs to be in that, not just your personal preference. You need to pray through that. But there may come that moment you need to do that. But while you're an employee of that person, yes is the answer. Submit to their authority. Well, what if they ask me to do something that clearly violates Scripture? We've already talked about that. You honor Scripture over the command. However, you do it in a way that's honoring and respectful. And then Peter tells them, as we live and respect and submit to those masters, here's the result of that. Look with me back in verse 19. <clears throat> he says this, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for, for it and you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you have been called. Now here's what, here's what Peter is saying to them. That we as a result of submitting to our masters 
And when we do that and we show them respect and we show them reverence, he says it twice, it is a gracious thing when we do that. Now that phrase gracious thing literally should be translated finds favor with God. So when we submit to those in authority over us, those that are our employers and our boss, we are finding favor in the eyes of God. What does that mean? That means that God is pleased with us when we live that way. That means God blesses us for obedience. And so when we choose to live in submission to a holy God and we suffer and we endure in that suffering and do the right thing and submit to that authority, it says that God is pleased with us, that God's gonna bless us, that we find favor in the eyes of God. Now, I know that should be encouraging to you, but for some of you, it's not. Because what you know and what I know is this, is that submitting to those in authority over us, it's tough, right? It's hard. And that's why Peter shows us one more thing we need to draw. And it's verse 21 through 25. And it says this, for this, for this you have been called. He says, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Here's what he says. Listen, I know we're to submit to every human institution. I know we're to submit to those that are our bosses, our masters, and I know it's tough. So here's what he says. Thirdly, remember this, Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. Did you pick up on what he said there? He said, This is what we've been called to. Now hear me, church. We've been called to live a life of submission, first and foremost to the Lord, but also to every human institution, also to those that are employers and that are bosses. We're living submission to them. And I know it's hard, and I know it's emotional sometimes, and I know it's personal, but Jesus, he is our example. You know who I'm talking about, Jesus, right? The one who bore our sins when he never sinned. The one who saved our souls, as Peter said, even though we didn't deserve it. Yeah, that Jesus, he set an example for us. Look at the example he said. Let's let's go back and read verse 22 and 23. Let's look at the example of Jesus. When Jesus was mistreated, it says this, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. In other words, Jesus, when he was, when he was suffering, when he was being persecuted, Jesus didn't sin, <clears throat> did he? Jesus didn't use his words and give them a tongue lashing. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't deceive his enemies. Jesus didn't reject his enemies and retaliate against them. Jesus didn't even threaten his enemies. I mean, if there's ever a person who had every right to threaten, to give a tongue lashing, and to totally retaliate, it was Jesus, right? But he didn't do any of that. Listen to me, church. He didn't do any of that. You know what he did do, the Bible says, according to Peter? He just kept trusting his heavenly father. Trusting that his heavenly father had a plan, and trusting his heavenly father also had the last word. And those who were mistreating him, one day they would be held accountable by the Heavenly Father. 
And I think it's so important for us as a church to remember as we are called to submit to those in authority over us that we remember that Jesus is our example. Those moments we feel like we need to bow up and say something and give a tongue lashing, those moments we want to threaten people, those moments we want to retaliate, we need to remember that Jesus did none of that. What did he do? He just trusted God. He just trusted our Heavenly Father that he's in control, that he's on his throne, that he has a plan, and those people that were mistreating him, that one day they would be held accountable. And I want us as a church to know this. I want us to realize that we can stand on truth and still submit to authority in this world. Why can we do that? We can do that because God is the one who allowed all this. God allowed all these institutions. God allowed that person that's your boss to be in the place he's in. If God hadn't allowed it, it wouldn't have happened. That's how sovereign he is. So one reason we can stand on truth and truly submit to these authorities is because God has allowed it, but also because they one day will be held accountable by God. That one day those that mistreat us, one day those that are unjust toward us, that one day they will stand before holy God and they will give an account to him. Not you, but to him. So we can stand on truth and still submit to our employers, still submit to every human institution. Why? Because God has allowed it. And because those people are going to be held accountable by God. And I know for some of you, man, I, you're like Doug, and, and there's some of you, man, you just find moments where you just want to bow up, right? You feel like there's an injustice. Maybe it's not even toward you, it's somebody else. And you just want to bow up and you just want to do something about it. I want to remind you something. In those moments, when we elevate, when we elevate our rights to rebel, instead of elevating our responsibility to submit that sin, now, I want you to hear me. I'm going to say it again. In those moments, we feel like we need to bow up. Those moments when we elevate our rights to rebel, instead of elevating our responsibility to submit, we are sinning. So I'm going to ask you today, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today. We have been told by Peter that we're to live in hope, yes, and amen, right? We're to live in holiness. We're figuring that stuff out. But we're also to live in submission, to every human institution, and to those that are employers and masters over us. We're to live in submission to them. And I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, that you would make this commitment, that you would commit to following the example of Jesus. That you would say, Jesus is my example, and I'm gonna follow that. I'm gonna choose to submit to those in authority over me. Even when I don't agree with the decision, I'm gonna submit to them. As long as they're not asking me to do something or believe something that violates the clear teaching of Scripture, I'm committing to submitting to their authority. Would you do that? I, would you commit to say, I'm gonna follow Jesus' example, I'm gonna submit to every authority, but also I'm gonna continue to trust the Father. Even in the face of mistreatment, I'm gonna trust my Heavenly Father, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose, and that he wants to use me in that situation to bring glory and honor to him. So for believers, I'm asking you to make a tough commitment. I know it. I know it's tough. I know when we talk about focus on living in hope and living in holiness, those commitments are those things we know we need to make and maybe we're excited about making them. But when I talk about living in submission to those in authority over us, it's a little game changer, isn't it? It's difficult. But if we're gonna be the exiles God has called us to be, I think we need to make this commitment. And will you do it? Will you say, I'm committing to let Jesus be my example. Submitting to those authorities over me but also to continue to trust my Heavenly Father, that he has a plan, a purpose to use me to bring glory to himself.
And if you're willing to do that, I'm going to ask you right now, just grab your smart device, grab your computer, and just simply type this in, I'm committed. I'm committed to say that and to live that way. And then for those of you watching this morning that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the example that Jesus set for us really is a picture of how much God loves us. It's a picture of the love that God has for you. That Jesus, while he was innocent and he was sinless, he could have at any moment calmed down the army of angels in heaven. He didn't do that to defend himself. He took it. He endured the cross, scorned its shame, so that we might know the forgiveness of sin. Jesus did it because he loves you. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to be reminded today of how much he loved you, what he was willing to endure for you. Those that accused him, he didn't talk back. Those that beat him and abused him, he didn't retaliate. Those who nailed him on a cross, he did not threaten. He endured it so that God would be glorified and that we might have a relationship with him. And so today, maybe you just need to simply say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the son of God who died on the cross and rose again from the grave. And today I want to surrender my life to him. Man, if you'll do that right now, it'll change all your life. It'll change your eternity. My prayer for all of us today, whether we're a believer or not today, is that we would let the Holy Spirit speak to us and that we would respond as the Lord is leading us. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. I thank you for what we've learned this morning. That God, when we start talking about living in, in hope, we love that, right? We're excited about that. We're excited about keeping our eyes on the prize of heaven. We talk about living in holiness. We understand that we need to be holy because you are holy and we want to be more like you, God. But when we talk about living in submission, that's a, that's a game changer for us. That's tough. Because all we do is sit and think about those that are ungodly and unjust and, and don't do things the way we think they should be done. But Lord, you remind us through your word, through Peter, that as exiles in this world, we are called to live a life in submission. Uh, first of all, to you, but also to those human institutions, to those that are our employers. And the why we're supposed to is because it brings honor to you. Why we're supposed to is because it's your will. And so, God, I pray for us as believers that we would make a commitment to let Jesus be our example, that we would submit to those authorities over us. And as a result, we would continue, as Jesus did, to trust you, to trust that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you want to use us to bring honor and glory to your name. So, God, I pray for believers that we would make that commitment we talked about a while ago. And then I pray for those who've never trusted you, Lord, I pray as we read scripture today and found out and we were reminded that even the face of death and beating and ridicule and persecution, that Jesus never fought back. But instead, Jesus endured it so that we might have a hope of a relationship with you. I pray there's somebody watching today, Lord, that's never trusted you, that today will say, I surrender my life to Jesus. God, would you move in our hearts this morning? Would you move in this very moment in our hearts and our lives? And would you challenge us? And would you change us only as you can? Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all you do for us. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.